you kind of have to understand each of them, like the language they use, the vernacular. But ultimately, like I'm a fan of just, you know, messaging towards pain, messaging with simple, easy to understand words that people get and having some emotion with it. Welcome to Unmiss, your go-to digital marketing hub. I'm Anatoly Ulatovsky, here with expert tips and exclusive chats to boost your online game. Let's get started. Hello, good people. Welcome to our show. Hello, bad people. Welcome to our show. Hello. Welcome. Today, we are going to discuss more about marketing, how you can create your right strategy, how this strategy can help you to sell because yeah, I don't care about traffic. I don't care about views, engagement. If I can't sell my products, for me, it's important to sell in the end many different insights how to do it right because i see when companies just try to replicate their successful competitors it's the wrong way because competitors might have own strong side you need to find yours to unite with your unique selling position and many different insights i'm so excited to discuss this topic with bill mccates how are you I'm doing wonderful, I'm sorry, man. 100% of what you said. <laughs> it's all good. Yeah, nice, nice. Uh, uh, Bill, before we start, just tell more about yourself, experience, background, and anything that could help our listeners to learn more about you. Yeah, sure. I mean, if you're doing stuff online, that's pretty much what I've been doing for the last 25 years. So, you know, kicked it off with my own startup right out of college, spent about 10 more years on the B2C side, working for large media companies, uh, and then entered into the B2B realm. So uh, did tours of leadership at uh, Salesforce, SVP of Marketing, Zendesk CMO, and Slack CMO CRO. Wow, nice, nice. Uh, Bill, uh, for our audience, uh, please pronounce uh, correctly your name because someone can search you manually on LinkedIn, on other places. So it will be better if you do it, right? <laughs> and, yeah, yeah, no uh, no worries. Yeah, if anyone wants to get a hold of me, reach out to me on LinkedIn. Happy to have a conversation. Uh, my name is pronounced Masitis. Uh, it's no no big deal, really. Like, like it's a one in a hundred, get it right. So, um, but yeah, you can uh, M A C A I T I S if you want to find me up on LinkedIn. Okay, nice, nice. Bill, I want to ask uh, my first question uh, where to start? Uh, because, uh, as I mentioned before, I see when companies um, create their own strategy can waste a few years. And um, I spoke with some uh, clients who told me they can't get results for five years, even more, and it's a lot. Uh, and for me, it's important to start with the right strategy, to consider your strong side, to think uh, about content that you can create. And for example, if you are good with writing, why you need to follow best practices to film videos if you're not good with that. For example, Seth Godin or I don't know, uh, Stephen King, they don't create content for TikTok uh, and other social media because they are good with writing. And I think it's a big issue for companies that try to replicate competitors and it's better to find your strong sides. Can you tell how to craft the strategy considering your strong side? Absolutely. I'm a big believer in what you just said, right? Uh, I watch a lot of sports and sometimes, you know, in basketball, for instance, if you have a seven foot, six inch center and their dominance, pass the ball down low. <laughs> you know, if you have the most amazing three point shooter in the world, you know, feed, feed that person. Um, and same with marketing, right? Like I think the hard thing with marketing is you could do literally a hundred different tactics. You can do so many, right? Uh, but at the end of the day, I'm a big believer in kind of finding out where you're personally strong at, wh what your team's strong at. So for instance, when I was at Zendesk as a CMO, we had a couple of amazing people in house that were great at video and we're like, Hey, 
let's create more video content. Let's yeah. make more ads, you know, that we can use for commercials. Let's do these for our launches and our demos. And we did a ton of video, but we did it all in-house. And a lot of that was just, we had a couple people that were amazing at it. So I think you do have to really think about what are your core competencies? What are you great at? And just focus in on that. Yeah, well, I agree. I agree. Uh, I, I usually spend time to learn about strong side and even more. I usually start from uh, learning products than uh, learning customers because I remember yep. when I, I got a uh, good payment for online games. Uh, basically, that was like uh, 16K, you know, to consult to find the right way. And what I did, I played these games uh, a few days, you know, to learn why people uh, want to play on these games. And when my son uh, caught me and asked what's going on. You told me I need to read books, but you play games that you <laughs> tell me. Uh, I replied, you know, someone paid me, you know, this money to check these games. What? Nobody paid me in my life even one time. I play a lot more than you. <laughs> These people are stupid why they pay you, not me. <laughs> so, yeah, and um, it's funny story because uh, I, I found it's a good idea to touch products, to understand products, to feel them before uh, creating any strategy. Can, can you tell uh, your methods how to learn about products, how to uh, spend time to understand why people use these products and uh, get these benefits? Yeah, I'm a huge believer in that, right? I mean, you need to spend time with the actual product. And, and it sounds so simple, especially kind of in my space. So I, I focus on, you know, the B2B world, business to business uh, software, right? And what you'll find a lot of times in b2b software is the product is really hard to use it's difficult it's it's a pain to use you know all the software looks the same it's like white background sterile it's not fun it's hard to learn and a lot of times people don't realize that because they have a top-down selling motion right they're selling into the cto the users never end up you know touching the software until they've already bought it <clears throat> and so you know i think no matter where you are especially if you're a marketer if you're a ceo get in there and use the software. I'm, I'm a big proponent of uh, product-led growth, which is PLG. And PLG for me just means that people are spending more and more of their time in the product. So you have to infuse your marketing into the product. You have to infuse your sales into the product. You have to think about how you can make your product simple to use, fun to use. Uh, little known fact for Slack, our number one integration, as long as I was there, was not Marketo or Salesforce or some fancy marketing tech tool. It was Giphy because <laughs> people like to put animated GIFs in their Slack, right? And they wanted to do that integration so they could just type backslash Giphy. Uh, and so I, I do think like spending time in the product is really important. When you think about your strategy, right? Get to know it. Um, actually, what you said, gaming, I actually, I, I had a background of gaming. So some of those media companies were gaming companies. And to this day, I find a lot of inspiration playing games, uh, especially the mobile games, because the mobile games, if you think about it, they have to get you right away. A lot of times they'll use an advanced freemium play, right? Which is a lot of B2B SaaS companies, some use, some don't, but I think freemium has a ton of potential. They will do a lot of guided walkthroughs. So I was playing, I think, Age of Empires and, you know, they literally, when you start off, you're creating armies, they will literally have a little dialogue box that says, create your first army. And there's a giant hand, like click here, right? <laughs> and they make yeah. it so, intuitively obvious right that that's your next step what you have to do but a lot of times in b2b software you get dropped in and i work with a lot of startups because that's what i do i do advisory and board member stuff and i'll use a product and i'm like i don't even know like what's the first step right unless they have a customer success person walking you through it's really hard so there's a lot of inspiration but yeah like spending time in the products i think is huge yeah love it love it and um yeah 
I have a bunch of questions, but um, I want to ask about uh, collecting data about your customers. And for example, le uh, let's speak more about online games. Um, and uh, uh, what if on, according to average data, uh, young people play online games. But mm -hmm. when I promote uh, promoted this product, uh, I found that adults play these games uh, plus uh, 60 plus years now uh, and uh, card games. They love to spend time to play these games. And uh, I think it's important to uh, learn more about your specific audience because uh, I can't yeah. create TikTok videos for 60 plus uh, <laughs> people, you know, who play on online games. I need to find the right way. In mo most cases, we use text-based content. C can you tell your methods how to learn customers right? Because I see different methods of collecting data, third-party data, own data, uh, tools, uh, and uh, tools can mislead you because it's average data. Studies can can mislead you, but you need to find the better. Uh, so let us know how you do it. <laughs> Yeah, uh, look, I, I think that's a, a, a bedrock foundation of any marketer, any good marketer, right? Is you're going to get to know your customer, get to know your prospects, right? I mean, there are official acronyms for that, right? You have the ICP, the ideal customer profile. You have creating personas, right? Like maybe you're selling to the enterprise and there's multiple people. Um, but at the end of the day, look, you can do advanced surveying and tech, you can just talk to a lot of people too, right? That's some of the easiest way when I got in Slack, I just started talking to all of our customers and just, hey, how do you use it? You know, what was your pain point? You know, what do you like? What don't you like? Um, I am a big fan of um, the Net Promoter Score survey. So for those that haven't used it, uh, NPS, it's a very standard one, literally one question, how likely you're to recommend, you know, in this case, Slack to a friend or colleague. But then you also ask right underneath it, you ask the why. Just open-ended, why, right? Um, and what that does is it gives you a lot of information on both on the people that like you, why do they like you, and the people that don't like you, <laughs> why yeah. don't they like you, you know? And it's kind of simple, like you start tailing it up and you're like, well, let's do more of the stuff they like and less of the stuff they hate. Um, and it's a simple, you know, roadmap to help guide you. So I do think it's important, no matter how you get it right, there's lots of different methodologies, uh, surveys, talking to customers, but just do it, just talk to them, right? Um, and you're gonna put yourself in a better position to succeed. Yeah, yeah. You remind me of this quote that the, uh, the era of lazy marketers is that now. So you need to <laughs> spend time to collect data and sometimes preparation takes uh, enough time. Now, uh, not yeah. like a few hours, a few days, you know, even a weeks, you, you can learn, you can research to understand how it works. And Bill, I, I want to ask about Slack. You know, uh, you work on Slack, uh, you know this tool, and uh, it's very popular tool. And uh, um, you mentioned many times about uh, you need to create user-friendly, simple content that people can understand, simple features. Uh, but about Slack, uh, I got the request from one uh, team, uh, good web developers, um, and they asked me to keep uh, speaking on slack uh, let's communicate on slack and i ask why why slack why not telegram why not uh, other places sure. uh, and they replied to me because it's security you know nobody can take and steal your data i was surprised i, I thought it's impossible on insta on uh, telegram or uh, other places but people don't trust distrust these uh, places i don't know it's secure or not uh, who knows you know <laughs> but anyway they trust more slack than other channels and uh, can you tell how uh, slack can uh, explain 
in marketing message to such web developers that it's secure, nobody will steal your data, and you, 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 you can be fine by using Slack. Yeah, sure. So first off, you're talking to the marketer here, but I will give my 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 best attempt at uh, answering security uh, IT infrastructure questions. Um, I'll say this a lot of times. Um, a couple things like one Slack, we always started off and said, hey, we want to we want to be used by B2B businesses. Right. So we want to be used. We want to sell to other businesses to use Slack. And so because of that requirement, we always knew at the beginning that the security was going to be really important for us, especially when you start selling into like really large enterprises. You have to have certain compliance. You know, we worked really hard to get end to end uh, encryption in. That's a big one. Um, there are just a lot of features that Slack has been built on. And now they're part of Salesforce. And Salesforce was always Every time I was there, I worked at both companies, like that was their number one thing was the security mm -hmm. of the companies. Cause they knew like, Hey, if, 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 if they get hacked and they lose all this data, you know, you know, customers are not going to have any trust in it. So I think it's definitely important when you think about, you know, your communication platform, whichever technology you're using to look at that company, how long they've been along, you know, what are their compliance, the security features that they offer? Um, how are they, you know, authenticating? Do they have two factor auth? A lot of times like the vectors into these, um, into these communication tools are, are from an actual user itself, right? So if you're part of a hundred person team and one person, you know, just has a really simple password, they don't have two factor auth enabled, yeah. um, you know, boom, they can get in that way. Right. So you really have to think about just being with companies that have been around a lot are, are building for the enterprise, you know, have those security and compliance, um, type features built into it. And I think that's gonna, that's gonna help out. Look at the end of the day though, you know, I, I was once told something I thought made a lot of sense was like, never write down anything that you wouldn't want everyone to see, right? You know, it's, yeah. <laughs> because you never know, right? Like, I, I don't think anyone out there is going to say, you know, one tool is 100% secure beyond a shadow of a doubt. But certainly some tools are more secure, right? I think the more you get into yeah. like the consumer grade, um, you know, it's it's more there about, you know, features. It's less about security. So you just have to be really careful with those decisions. Yeah, I, I understand. But um... I want to ask how to transfer this benefit to uh, specific people, uh, customers. Mm. Uh, I mean, like uh, web developers told me they want to use Slack because it's secure. So basically, they learn in marketing messages it's secure or yeah, other yeah, yeah. Places. I think you're I saying. Yeah, I mean, sure. Like, yeah, how to okay. explain that? Yeah. So, uh, so one of the things we we spent a lot of time on messaging in Slack. And messaging is, I think, really important, no matter which company you're with. Um, when I got there, I spent a lot of time. I also talked to every single internal employee at Slack. And I said, hey, how do you describe Slack? And I literally got 50 different answers. I got one that was like, yeah. it's a giant vacuum cleaner that sucks in all the information. I was like, that's an interesting <laughs> metaphor. Uh, but what I think you'll find, though, is that the methodology I use is I, I would go back to that net promoter score stuff. So I would look at all the open-ended comments and I would find out, you know, why do they like us, right? We would also run surveys on, hey, when people signed up, we'd say, hey, why did you choose us? Which of the following things were most important for you? Um, now, at that time, you know, security was not the number one thing. So I think from a messaging side, we didn't focus on it. Uh, but at the same time, I think for a lot of people now, that is, right? And every time, you know, a high-profile company gets hacked into, you know, it becomes more top of mind, right? Um, for you to think about those types of things. So, so I, I think for me, I, I always go to pain points, right? Like where do people, where are they experiencing pain? And if they are, you have to tune that into your messaging, right? And you'd have to think about, like for me, a messaging exercise would be, okay, security, what are the other words, you know, 
safe, you know, peace of mind, right? And then I think about how can we wrap that into content, you know, top of funnel, mid funnel, bottom funnel, how can we wrap that into an ad campaign? How can we wrap that into the homepage and, you know, the onboarding flow, right? Um, how can we wrap that into continued messaging to existing customers, reassuring them that, hey, here are all the different security features we have enabled that allows you to be safe, secure, uh, compliant. So I, I think it's it's these are always larger exercises, right? And again, you have to know your customer, right? Like, what are they most concerned about? And sometimes you'll do different messaging to different people, right? The messaging to the CEO might be different than the messaging to the IT director, which might be different messaging to the head of sales. Um, you kind of have to understand each of them, like the language they use, the vernacular. Um, but ultimately, like I'm a fan of just, you know, messaging towards pain, uh, messaging with simple, easy to understand words that people get um, and having some emotion with it. Yeah, nice, nice. Volleyball, volleyball. Uh, Bill, I, I want to ask about uh, the right channel. Uh, it's a big struggle. Okay, yeah. uh, for example, let's imagine we know our strong side. Um, we know uh competitors weaknesses uh we know uh our customers many things but what i see when companies choose the right channel forgetting about um uh, i mean like uh forgetting about uh uh passion L let me explain why for example if um i can find that my audience is on instagram but I don't like Instagram, really. I, I can create content for Instagram, but I can give up because basically I don't like it. My my wife can spend a lot of time on Instagram entire day. You know, my son can yep. uh, <laughs> watch all videos on TikTok, but it's not my place. You know, I, I prefer LinkedIn. So, and uh, I see it's a big issue when companies choose uh, social media or platforms where their audience is. but. Uh, they don't like it. And for me, I think it, you can find people everywhere, customers everywhere. Even B2B, the last time spent uh, so much time on TikTok, you know, to create content on TikTok, to get customers there. It, it doesn't mean that you need to only do it on LinkedIn. If you don't like it, go to TikTok. Why not? You can create strong brand recognition on TikTok. And uh, I want to ask you how it's important to, uh, to like uh, specific channel where you want to get traffic uh, because i see content creators give up it's not only about me i remember one data big data uh, that was study uh, about uh, why people give up and in most cases because they suffer creating content they create content but don't like it you know because competitors do because customers are sure. there but uh, so what do you think about finding places where you enjoy spending time <laughs> yeah it's it's a complex question right i think it depends on a lot of different factors you know to start off like hey you gotta you gotta choose a couple right you gotta you gotta be able to focus right because there there are 30 channels even within social right <laughs> like all these different areas which ones are going to focus on some of it comes back to what we talked about earlier right uh like i remember at slack we hired someone the new podcast really well. And I was a big podcast fan. I was commuting into work. I listened to a hundred podcasts. Uh, you know, I knew it really well. I knew kind of the advertising format and that made natural sense. So it's like, we advertise on podcasts, right? Because we're like, Hey, we know this, we get it. We know the CPMs. We just know how the industry works. Like that worked really well for us. And also our, our audience was there. Um, sometimes you're gonna have to base it on, you know, the, the cost of all these channels, right? 
Uh, yeah. There are CPMs, effective CPMs, right, for all these different channels. Some are high, some are low. Uh, sometimes it's like we would do arbitrage. So we would, you know, what I mean by that media arbitrage is we would go, you know, Slack, here's this online company, but we did a lot of offline advertising. We do billboards and train wraps. Um, you know, we do these takeovers for cities, but we did that a lot of times because those were very depressed rates. Like everyone had shifted to online. And so therefore some of these older channels were actually much cheaper, more bang for the buck, if you will. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we leveraged that. Um, you know, I think it's important to test these channels too. Like we used extensively a lot of control groups, a lot of multi, you know, touch attribution modeling to understand which channels work for us, which don't to your point at the very beginning of the contest, right? Are they just bring in visitors or are they actually bring in true buyers, people that are actually interested. Um, so it's a complex decision, right? And you also have to be passionate about it. You also have to love it. You know, you have to be able to like dive into it. And, you know, you're going to have, these are very different, you know, age demographics, firmographics, right? The people on TikTok versus Instagram versus Facebook versus LinkedIn, you know, and some will just take an omni-channel approach, right? They'll create some content, evergreen content, and they'll put it on all the different channels. But ultimately, I think, you know, yeah, kind of each situation is different, right? I, I never like recommending the same playbook for every company to use because I think the nuance, the competitors, where they are, their customers, right? It, it's just, it's always going to be this dynamic, living, breathing organism. Yeah, yeah. Love it, love it. Valuable. Uh, uh, Bill, uh, let's talk about uh, one aspect uh, that we use a lot last time about PR. And um, yeah. uh, PR is not marketing, but uh, I use a lot of PR uh, to get results in marketing. You know, it helps to uh, increase my marketing results. It helps even to get traffic, uh, customers. And uh, when I started uh, PR, I failed. Um, I wrote a bunch of press releases. I failed with all of them. I distributed <laughs> all of them. <laughs> no, no links, no mentions, zero. And then um, I paid PR agencies $6,000 a week, uh, not a week, even for one press release. And um, uh, and uh, I got some results, then I started to learn. So basically I need to write uh, 12 press releases a week. It's like $72,000 and it's a lot. Uh, and uh, so, so we started to uh, write again, uh, fail, learn, uh, make, uh, learn from mistakes. And today we got mentions on CNN, Bloomberg, Business Insider, big websites uh, because of failing, learning uh, and setting the right process. Uh, so even today we get better results than with PR agencies because they usually hire journalists who can write press release, but we hire specialists who can write blog posts teach them how to uh, create uh, press releases, how to write press releases about this format, how to touch trending topics. And that is why we got uh, real good mentions, results. And I want to ask about PR, how it's important from your experience. I think Slack, any other companies B2B use PR because it's the main part, you know, to create this brand awareness, to uh, build uh, more trust. So let us know about your methods. Yeah, sure. So uh, big fan of PR. I think my wife, I know my wife did high tech PR for her entire career. So I literally talked to someone every day that was, you know, a master at it. And I will say this, like PR is highly, it's one of those highly divisive topics. So there are a lot of um, startup founders that I'll work with who are like, Bill, we're paying 5k a month, 10k a month, 20k a month on, you know, my PR retainer, and we're not getting results from it. Right. So I, I, that's a very consistent, you know, theme that I will see. That being said, it's all about, 
Um, it's all about like your mastery of PR, like you said, and that's a good way to look at it. Like all these channels, you're going to start off, you're going to suck at it. <laughs> and then you're, mm -hmm. you know, you're going to get a little bit better and a little bit better and better and better and, and eventually master it. I mean, the couple of key points for me for PR that I've learned over the years are one, these are relationships. You're building relationships with the press, right? So you have mm -hmm. to be in it for the long run. You have to really, you have to spend time on it, right? There are some CEOs that I work with, like Mark Benioff was amazing. He was the CEO of Salesforce, still is. And he would spend time building relationships with each of these CEOs. Stuart Butterfield for Slack was also good at that. Like sometimes they would just email him and go, hey, do you know the background of like how emojis were created? And he would, like, I'd see him write like a two-page response with the history. It, it didn't have anything to do with Slack, but he was building up that relationship with the individual. That's really important. Um, I think if you are a CEO that's an introvert, I would actually say like, don't do, don't do PR, right? Like use that 10, 20K retainer somewhere else. But if you are a CEO that's an extrovert, you like talking, you, you're, you know, you're active yeah. on social, you have strong viewpoints, you know, you're out there, invest in PR, right? Like that, that's fine. I think PR for me, it's just, it's one of 20 different tactics you can use. And like I said, I'm a big fan of choose three or four that you can do really well. So if yeah. you're going to do it, realize, Hey, it's going to take some time. Um, you have to be an extrovert. You have to have really good content that you can supply these you know these um these news agencies to get covered um and realize like it's going to cost right there is some there is cost to this there's an opportunity cost of your time there's also cost using a pr agency um so yeah that would that would be my general thoughts on pr yeah i i couldn't agree more i think it's a good approach when you use a few channels then 20 channels and i remember when I decided to grow my social media accounts i started on facebook twitter youtube instagram linkedin everywhere TikTok, uh and i failed my best results were like five ten followers a day a few, a few hundred views then yeah. i switch all my attention to linkedin to b2b segment and uh, i got great results uh, sometimes uh, i remember when i got like five follow 500 followers a day uh plus uh 100k views a lot of so because yeah. of paying attention to specific channel i even didn't repurpose content I know it works, but uh, I decided to save this time to pay more attention to LinkedIn, you know, even repurposing sure. uh, didn't work. So, yeah, I I think it's important to focus. Without focus, you can't get results. And Bill, uh, you mentioned about B2B, you help Salesforce, Slack. And uh, I remember when I spoke with Jim Edwards, uh, he worked in business insider 10 years. He started this on this company from scratch. Then company was sold for 500 million dollars great success uh, and uh, uh, i asked him about this success and he told me success of business insider depends on creating non-boring content if we speak about b2b business content is almost boring uh, but if you create non-boring content you can get great results i see it's a big issue everywhere tiktok youtube blog articles if you can't catch your audience if you can't keep them until then people bounce fast they don't care if it's valuable quality they wanna some i don't know like uh to have interest read. Uh, and uh, for example i love reading books and many business books are good for sleeping you know when you read a book oh, and yeah. you have problem with sleep <laughs> you can sleep well <laughs> you know? and don't remember anything but some books i, I uh, like Josh Ugerman, Seth Godin. I can read them. I can live on this book. So can you tell about creating non-boring content? How to create this content? Uh, it's not about value. 
it's more about uh, to attract users to keep them until the end and share value as well. Yeah, it's such a good point. Um, so my my career, like I mentioned earlier, I spent the first half of my career on the B2C side. And mm -hmm. I actually think like B2C marketers coming into B2B can do really well because we kind of recognize like first in B2C, like you need to create brands. We know how to like create them and measure them. You have to create content for consumers and consumers, you know, we all have a very short attention span, right? It's got to be fun and entertaining. And when yeah. you go into the B2B side, those same principles apply, right? Like the companies that just create like these super long white papers, you're right. They are there for one thing only. It's to help you fall asleep. They're boring. They're just acronym filled. <laughs> you know, they're like some research academia, you know, logic on it. And it's like, hey, create content that people would want to read. I don't care if it's a B2B, B2C person, right? Make it fun. Make it engaging. Make it, um, you know, not just always about your product. I think that's the biggest mistake I see B2B marketers make is all their content is 100% about why their company's awesome. And it comes off, I, I call it like, you know, slimy brochure wear. It's just like, uh, you're just trying to sell me something, right? Um, if you can create content about people's pain points, like we mentioned it earlier, uh, that's going to be helpful. So for instance, Zendesk, one of our most popular pieces of content was uh, 10 great interview questions for hiring customer support agents. If you're a customer support manager, you have to hire a lot of people. There's a lot of churn in that space. Like people are constantly quitting and you have to hire new ones. And so you're doing a lot of interviews and you need good interview questions, right? And that was a really helpful piece of content that was based off a pain point of a customer. We didn't really mention Zendesk that much. You know, I don't think, I think maybe we had one reference on it. Um, but what it did is it introduced them to Zendesk and it started building up a little association. And then we would, you know, link it to other content that we've written. And then, you know, top funnel, bottom funnel, you slowly start merging them down by exposing the different pieces of content. Um, but if they're not interested in the content, if the content's not there, the they're gonna, they're just, they're gonna move on, right? They're just like anyone else. I don't care if you're yeah. B2B, um, whoever the audience is, you have yeah. to make fun, engaging content. So I do think video is where uh where the world is moving. You know, it's it's just a much more intimate format. Like we're having, you can see people, you can see the reactions, you can convey so much more emotion than you can, I think, when these kind of these longer articles. Um, but you have to choose one, choose one and get good at it. Yeah, nice. Yeah, I agree. And one topic I can't ignore today uh, about AI that was simple yeah. yesterday, impossible tomorrow. Uh, and uh, what I can see, uh, according to data, 5% of marketers, content creators lost their jobs when ChatGPT appealed. Um, personally, I get much better results with AI. I grew my results. Uh, uh, and I think people lose jobs because... Uh, uh someone can adapt to ai to use uh, to replace them it's not like uh, tools can replace you uh um, because ai can help to save time to increase speed even quality and uh, we got some great results with projects uh, from zero to 2000 floors a day in a very competitive niche uh, like trading investing when we compete with billion dollar companies and we use ai we use a lot of ai and uh, uh, it's interesting one more story about uh, um, I cooperate with uh, great experts who can post content on Forbes, Bloomberg. And when uh, once I ask one of these offers, he's from Pakistan, but he posts on uh, big publications to film a video because he's good with writing. But I ask, can you film a video to try this format? And he sent me this video 
with uh, Pakistan pronunciation, even worse than mine, you know, uh, it, it's tough to imagine, but it exists. And then uh, I ask him, you know, we can't use this video. Can you work with pronunciation to increase, to improve it? And then he sent me a video with a clear female voice, real great voice. And I, I asked what's going on. Uh, he replied, I, I, I filmed this video. No, 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 you can't because you, you man, you, you can't film this video. And he replied, no, no, it's AI voice. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so female AI voice. And uh, I think AI is everywhere, generating content, tools, video, audio, everywhere. Uh, and But I see when people use it in the wrong way. I mean, like to create generic content, nothing special. Uh, I think uh, it's a great tool if you use it smart. For example, we edit our press releases on ChatGPT, and when CNN accept your press release, it means quality. You can cheat CNN. Uh, Bill, can, can you tell how you use AI and how you recommend to others to use AI today? Yeah, sure. It's a great topic, fun topic. So I would, uh, you know, I'd maybe start with this. The best piece of advice, best piece of career advice I ever got, it was the first job I was working at. And we did kind of, a, um, we always do last day lunches. So when someone was moving on, we do, you know, group lunch. And, and I'd always ask the person, you know, hey, what's, you know, what's a really, what's your best piece of advice? What do you have? And he was like, Bill, it doesn't matter if you're employed. What matters if you're employable? And mm -hmm. I thought about that. And what it really came down to is like, you always have to be up leveling your skills. You always have to be adapting and improving and learning more, right? Because it doesn't matter like if you just currently hold a job or not, because you never know a new tech's going to come out or there's going to be a shift in the market. You have to be adaptable. You have to be constantly learning. Yeah. And, you know, for so much of stuff, especially if you're in the online space, right, there aren't formal university classes for this. Like when I learned about SEO, I just yeah. spent every night when I got home from work, I'd spend four hours and I'd read every single forum. I'd read every single article, video, strategy on it. And eventually I got really good at it just because I was like, I just I got to learn this stuff, right? Now, AI comes around, and you're right, it completely disrupts changes. You know, I do think a lot of older jobs are, are just, there are some jobs that are going to become obsolete by it because it does help you be so much more efficient. Um, so to your example, like there is tons of good AI, especially in the content space, right? There, there are companies that will translate your content into like 30 different languages, you know, and it will just look like you're speaking. Literally, like they'll even do your own voice and it'll look like it's speaking, um, you know, yeah. fluently. And, you know, and that, that may be awesome. That might also cause issues, right? <laughs> when, you know, the, a certain country is like expecting you to talk that yeah. language and you don't, right? Uh, when they reach out to you. Um, but yeah, from a keyword research perspective, from AI's thumbnails, video editing, you know, I don't think any space within marketing, um, you aren't going to be able to use AI tools. Um, and it's going to be a really interesting world. I mean, I was reading this article yesterday where, they're saying the search engines are getting double whammied right now because one, um, more people are just using AI to find the result versus going to a page that sends you to a page. But then two, everyone's using AI to flood the market with kind of crappy content, right? And so now all the search results, as opposed to being like really good, unique points, they're sometimes they're just bad, like you said, generic AI articles. Um, <clears throat> and that's going to be interesting, right? So I don't know. Like I, I think I use it all the time. I use ChatGPT. I use a lot of the visual AI tools. Um, I think it's just the new way. And if I was certainly, no matter what, I was a young marketer, an old marketer, I would just spend time learning the space, learning how the tools are going to impact you. And I think that's the best way to, you know, 
hopefully increase your odds of staying around and working in that career for a long time versus just kind of being like, oh, whatever, this is a fad. It's going to go away. Like, I, I really don't see that happening. Yeah, I, I'm not sure it's a fad. <laughs> Far away from that. And uh, before Termina Terminators will kill all human beings, we have time yes. now to, <laughs> to cooperate, <laughs> to use these tools. Uh, today we need to use them. Uh, when we will fight with Terminators, yeah, we need to find a way to, against these tools. Uh, Bill, I have a lot of questions, but uh, I think people who can follow you, I personally follow you, I can uh, get a lot more because you mentioned it's important to update what we have, but um, I, I still have two questions um, about uh, uh, your experience. What I found uh, when you cooperate with customers who understand uh, what you do, I mean, like who understand marketing, you can get good result if they don't it's tough to decide all their problems it's like for example if i want to lose weight i can find the best coach in the world but if i don't understand why i need to eat healthy food why i need to train to drink water it's tough it's almost impossible yeah. to do it and uh, plus 90 percent of people can't lose weight uh, you need to learn the basic you need to understand then uh, some coaches, experts can lead you in the right direction. I um, I want to ask you, let's imagine you started today without any experience, knowledge, skills, forget about Salesforce, forget about Slack, nothing. It's your first day. What will you do if you need to do everything from scratch? Uh, the first thing I would do is just start learning, <laughs> right? Like I would, I would follow you, right? I would listen to, you know, podcasts, YouTube videos. I would choose, you know, one channel that I thought I had some passion for and I would research everything about it and I would just get really good at it. Um, and I would, you know, find out whatever the product that I was selling or service. And I would talk to as many people as I could that were, you know, that, that use those type of products, find out what their pain points are. Um, you know, just be a lifelong learner. Right. And, 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 and you, and you can learn this stuff. I, I, I'm a big believer of that I don't care what the topic is. Like if you devote yourself, you can learn about it. You can master it. You know, you have to realize going in that, Hey, you're going to fail. You're going to fail a bunch. Like to me, like failing just means you're learning, like replace yeah. fail with learn. And that's, life right <laughs> you know and once yeah. you kind of accept that it's like oh that's a good thing like i always tell my daughter like hey i failed three times today it was awesome like i learned like how to do this one project right it was great yeah. this is awesome so you know i think a lot of it's just attitude but um yeah i mean it's a great time to be alive i think like for anyone that's creating their own startup from scratch without knowing anything like that's amazing there's never been such a good ecosystem like the cloud the tools that are available to you the democratization the access you know, leveraging AI, like you're in such an amazing place to start up, right? So, you know, carpe diem, like seize the day, go for it. You know, I'm all about that. Yeah, I agree. Love it, love it. And uh, what about practice? You know, I can learn a lot, uh, but I usually spend more time acting, practicing, because I think like Leo Messi, he prefers to hit the ball thousand times a day than to read a few books how to play soccer uh, and sure. <laughs> uh, if you don't make your hands dirty it doesn't work sure. you know uh, and we have this short memory people forget for a few uh days about new insights i can forget for a few hours you know if i don't uh, write them down if i don't uh practice act and for me it's better to practice what do you think how to find this balance between practice and uh learning 
Yeah, it's got to be both, right? Like, you can't just be sitting in your room (laughs) constantly reading stuff and never actually doing it, right? Um, So I think that is, usually that's the biggest impediment for new entrepreneurs. It's just the doing part. Like, there's this old saying that, you know, no idea you have is unique. Like, everyone else has had that idea, or at least 10 other people have had that business idea that you've had. Where it really distinguishes you is you may be the one person that actually went out and did it, right? Because uh, a lot of people, there's this inertia, like it's hard or they're, again, maybe they're afraid to fail or this is a new time. They don't want to embarrass themselves, whatever it is. Right. Um, but, you know, obviously I'm a big fan of like learning, but yeah, go out there, do it, fail. It's okay. Yeah. Like tell me, show me one entrepreneur that was successful that didn't fail a ton. Like as they were, you know, creating yeah. their startup from nothing. That's just like, you know, that's, that's, you should be failing. If you're not failing, something's wrong. Like you're being too conservative or you're not taking a, a, an aggressive enough approach. So. Um, yeah, you know, it's, it just is what it is. Like there's that balance of practice and learning, but you know, I, I think, you know, when you, you embrace both of them, you're going to be all right. Yeah. Um, uh, I can't count how many times I failed, you know, <laughs> a lot. I keep doing them <laughs> and oh, Bill, yeah. my final question. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Final question. Uh, very important question, uh, about your daily routine, about your schedule, how you prioritize things, because everyone has many things to do i have a hundred things a day i can't do even a teeny percent of them i usually prioritize choose priorities what it's important for me what can help me uh, a lot more Uh, we need to find the balance between family business job so uh, tell your methods how to you schedule your time and how you choose priorities (laughs) yeah that's a it's a really fun question i mean for me personally i think one of the best things that I eventually found out about myself is when am I, when am I most productive? Like literally if you map out the hours of the day, when do you just have the most energy? When can you just really dive into something? And for me, that's the morning, right? Like you are getting high energy bill right now. Cause I just got up yeah. here in you know, San Francisco and I've got a lot of energy and I already have, I know exactly what I'm going to do when we finish this podcast. I'm going to actually record some other videos cause I'm already here in my studio. Um, and I have good energy, but that's one thing for me was like, you know, realize when you have the most energy Two, you mentioned that I do the same thing. Like I methodically stack rank. So I will go, all right, what are the top five things I want to do? All right, tomorrow I can only do two. All right. What are the top one and two? And usually right before I go to sleep, I will think about that in my head, you know, like, Hey, okay, what are the two things I'm going to do tomorrow? What does my day look like? Um, and I'm going to put really good energy on it. And then Maybe the last thing is like when I'm outside of the energy zone, I don't try to do a bunch of stuff. Like I take breaks. Like I, after this yeah. initial energy rush, I will be wiped out and I'll like, I'll just need to sit down, lay down, like not think about anything, you know, just kind of recharge. And then I'll, maybe I'll get a second wind and I'll do another, you know, round of tasks or whatever it is for the day. Um, but that's how I do it. And I, I do try to have, you know, good work-life balance, right? Um, it's a lot easier now. I work out of my home. I do advisor and board member stuff. So it's a lot easier being around my family. Um, but I think that's really important too, you know, is, you know, just realize like you can't, you can't sprint the entire day. It's impossible, right? You kind of have to figure out like what works for you. Um, and that methodology has worked really well for me. Yeah. Nice. Awesome. Bill, it's a big pleasure to get on my show, to learn from you. I love this experience. So fun, valuable. Well, the best way how to keep learning from you, how to reach out to you, how to follow you. Yeah, sure. So this was a blast. I had a great time. Thanks again for having me on. Uh, best way is I'm kind of increasing my social channel. So SAS CMO Pro, SAS, S-A-S, S-A-A-S, CMO Pro is where you can find me. Um, or you can just reach out to me on LinkedIn, you know, send me a message there. 
Uh, but otherwise, this is super fun and, you know, looking forward to uh, talking to you again. Nice, nice. Uh, guys, you can find all links in the description below. Listen to us on Apple, Google, Spotify. Thanks again. So valuable. You know how to share value. You lead me to an emergency <laughs> room. I need to think how to change some oh, approaches no. that I have. <laughs> yeah. No problem. Go do whatever you got to do. Thank you, sir. Yeah. Uh, guys, I recommend to anyone to follow Bill because I do it. I know it's important. It's a big mistake. If you want to become a better marketer, you need to do it. Okay. Love you. See you. Thanks for tuning in to Unmiss. Enjoyed the show? Drop us a review on your favorite platform and help us spread the digital marketing wisdom. See you next episode.